Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. These are some sounds from a cold February day on Bembridge Beach on the Isle of Wight. This is a recording, Bembridge Beach, windy day, right by the sea uh, side, right by the shore to get some wave noise. Rock avalanche sound. Marek shouting the distance. Help me, I'm being bombed. I'm being bombed. Welcome, my friends, to episode four of Marek Makes a Movie. I mean, you shouldn't know by now what it's about. I'm going to make a film. I'm doing this podcast, speak to filmmakers, and get people to donate so I can use that money to make a film. I went back to the Isle of Wight with my friend Paul and made a podcast about sound. This is really, really geeky and will only appeal to about 1% of those people interested in film. Even I don't know what we're talking about in half of it. Anyway, what's happening with the film? Well, you'll be pleased to hear that the Marriott Makes a Movie Fund is now on 320 whole pounds. Thank you very much to everyone who's donated. You really are great people. You must be feeling generally happy inside. What am I doing then? You know, you get all this money. What are you doing, Marriott Lowood? Listen, this is what I'm doing. I wrote and planned out, well, the, the first film... And I was 20, 25 pages into a approximately 70 page script. And I consulted Bruce Webb and Paul Allen from the first two episodes. And they told me that my film will probably cost at least 12 grand. And that maybe I should scale back and try and do something I could write within with the equipment that I've got that I could film and definitely make. It was really frustrating and I was really cross for approximately 46 to 47 minutes. And then I've come up with another idea that I can film myself. I will tell you more about it soon. It will basically be sort of, not a vlog, but a film about a, a, a vlogger. So that way I can cover most of it hopefully with an original spin on it. That's the idea, all right? I'm not going to say exactly what it is, but you'll learn in time. Anyway, I've already banged on for two minutes. There's a film on, which will be linked to on the Twitter page and the Facebook page, which is a mic test that Paul and I did on the beach. So you can see us testing out the equipment. I mean, it's also really boring, but quite interesting to hear the very different sounds which you will also hear in this podcast. At the moment, I'm speaking into a Sennheiser 416. I don't know if you notice the difference. Uh, right, I probably lost you already. Let's get into the podcast. Take care, everybody. 
Marek makes a movie. He talks to different filmmakers. He learns lots of things to put in his film. It's not that type of movie. I mean, it's probably the wrong music to give you the wrong idea. It's just it's a normal film, all right? It's not anything, it's not dirty stuff. It's just, a, just listen to the podcast, all right? Already four episodes in and we have repeat guests. Is this an indication of the small social circle Marek inhabits or perhaps his lack of popularity? Both. Welcome back, Paul Allen. Thank you, Marek. Filmmaker, person extraordinaire. Thanks. Do you, it's always difficult to start with, isn't it, being a guest on something? Yeah, it's a bit tricky. And why do you find it tricky? Because I'm sat quite close to you. Generally, something that everyone who has to be on any podcast, I mean, already they're at an uncontrollable state of uncomfortability. What's that word? Uncom- or, uncomfortability, yeah. That's... Or maybe nausea, nausea. Um, you might have um, wondered why this sounds so different. Well, as this episode's going to be a bit about sound, I've decided to radio mic us both, both um, to see what the sound quality is and if it's better. This is running in, for those geeks, what I've done is I've radio mic'd us into the Zoom H4n. The Zoom H4n is your pretty much standard podcast fare, and previous podcasts have been recorded on this bit of equipment, which has two microphones, but the problem is, is when people speak at different volumes, and as listeners may be aware, that is very frustrating. One person is quieter than the other one, and you end up thinking, oh, I'm going to stop listening to this. I mean, it was crap anyway, but I'm definitely not going to listen to it anymore. I mean, sound's a weird thing, isn't it? In uh, The more I learn about film, the more you realise, oh, right, here's another bloody thing I've got to learn about, and it's sound. Talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> How long have I got? You. Talk about it. 20 minutes. I mean, I we're not sound experts. I bet there's some proper sound geeks, because people get really geeky They do get it. geeky, but I think... I mean, it's a classic thing people do overlook is the sound element, and I think if you, and I think increasingly these days with picture stuff, people often geek out on that, and then they can overlook it, and that is a big problem, and you can't recover it, you know, afterwards. That's, I think people think you can do more in post than you probably can. Um, if you don't record, trying to do stuff afterwards is just almost never as good. And It's a bit like sort of going to the gym and working out so you could get a girlfriend or I say your heterosexual girlfriend, and then but cutting off both of your testicles. So it means that you might get a girlfriend, but you'll never be able to have a baby. It's exactly, I mean, that's the cliche everyone, that's the example everyone uses. About, I've just, about I've, sound. I've just I mean, set the, up a new sound example. They use that in film school the whole time, the old gym example. Um, right, so you were telling me, I speak to Paul quite a lot about my ideas for films, and then I, I come away after speaking to you and I feel quite depressed about it. I'm conscious now we're doing sound that every time I rustle and move in the chair, I need to stay still, don't I? You need to stay still. Now, here's the big thing about sound. <sighs> what I've learned about it is there's two main sound things. We're speaking on radio mics now, but a lot of people like to use the old boom mic. And all I sort of understand is the man with a stick. And I originally thought, oh, the big boom is the microphone. But it's not a lot of the time. There's the microphone goes into this weird sort of cage, this is when you're outside, to protect outside sound. And it has, now, it has some shock absorbers, almost like they're called liars, they're called li- how do you... Well, it's just, yeah, it's just to... Yeah. Where the microphone rests in, mm-hmm. into, and then you run a cable through that. So why is, 
Why do people use that rather than just sticking on radio mics on people? Well, the, the shock absorber, all that kind of stuff, is if you ever hold a microphone and try to do any recording, any, every, any time you just move your finger, any kind of touch, you've touched the microphone, all that vibration and, and sound is vibration goes straight through the mic and, and you can hear it all. Um, it's a bit like, um, I'll do another little, uh, <laughs> a bit like a teenager at the height of his um, sexual prowess getting on the bus to school mm -hmm. and any vibration on the bus it's going to give him a boner. <laughs> so he has to avoid... Buses. Buses. <laughs> Walk to school. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, I mean, that's one of the best, best ever um, uh, allegories for that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, it's a bit of a... They roll that one out of film People will go back to this podcast and think, oh, right, uh, I could teach you about sound, but why not listen to this podcast of... Um, it's the radio mic thing is the, uh, sorry, uh, the, the mic touching thing is the boner on the buses. Jim on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the cage, yeah, so that's, that's really important is doing, doing that. Um, so isolating it, so that's kind of suspended. It's like a suspension um, thing. And then you have the wind jammers, the other thing you're talking about. So it's, mics are very, very sensitive to noise especially wind going in if i do it now it just they just they peak really and so when you're recording sound <clears throat> basically you want to get your levels am i, am I geeking out too, too early no no, no. too what quick is, too early what is it i mean uh, what, what is sound measured in it's in decibels and now this again there's a key amount it should be in the, the sound yeah should be in. and this is where Things. This is why I'm not a sound recordist, where you'd get more geek out a bit about this. But basically, you want the levels about 75% of of your recording limit, and you have headroom above that that people could talk about. And you, uh, the, the big thing you want to avoid is clipping. So if it goes to, and why can't you fix a clipping in post? So you can't fix a clipping. So clipping is you've lost all the data. So basically, it's equivalent in a camera. It's exactly analog to a camera. So if you're shooting a scene outside and then the it's too bright, then you lose all the detail. So say you shot the shooting someone in the garden and then the sky was really bright uh, and you had clouds there and if they're all too bright, then you, there's no way of pulling that. All the data's gone from there and it's exactly the same with sound. Once you hit the clipping level, there's no recovery and there is absolutely no recovery in post. You know, whatever you do, you're screwed then. Um, so you're better, always better off leaning towards the lower sound. And this is where it gets a bit more complicated, where if you're making a film, having a sound recordist, it can be overlooked. Like, you know, we'll just stick some radio mics or lavalier mics on there, labs on there. But the problem is, unless you're monitoring it, a, boom, a good boom micist will, when you run through a take, they'll be adjusting their arm and also pulling back for when someone does it speaks loudly. So if in, within a scene, if they're talking really quiet, quietly and then they suddenly speak really loudly, they'll put the boom mic back so it doesn't clip. You know, they're constantly monitoring um, where they put the boom mic. And unless you've got someone, you know, fully taking responsibility for that, you'll have clipping or, I mean, low levels is a problem in its own right, but it's not as much of a problem as clipping. So you're just trying to, trying to find that sweet spot um, all the time. and. As I say, if you're, especially if you're trying to, like when we did the short film last year, if you're trying to shoot camera and... The short film is called... Long-winded. And for the Sci-Fi Film Festival, we made a 48-hour film which wrote, wrote and shot me, myself, Paul and Keith Meredith. You can look it up by writing Long-winded online 
and Paul had to try and monitor the sound and do the camera work. And you, I mean, you probably started to hate us quite a little bit, didn't you? Well, it's a nightmare because it's just too much. And I've seen lots of short films where people have tried to do this and it's just too much. You just can only concentrate on so many things and then you're trying to make sure the shot's in focus and framed and then you're trying to keep your sound levels. And especially, that was a classic example, using lavalier mics. It was generally fine, but you know you also need to hide them. You've got, you've got a performance there. It's the, it's the problem is, is sound guys just spend about half an hour putting, my experience of, uh, trying to find a place for the lavalier mic, which normally, you actually, if you're in the summer, it's a nightmare because there's less place to hide it. So you have to stick it, and you've got hairy chests, and they stick it in between, on, on, touch, on, on the bone in the middle of your, uh, what's it called, the, right in the middle of your chest, yes. equidistant between your nipples, and they stick it in with like a, uh, a sticky bit on one side, and then the rest of the mic, the mic sort of hooks into that, and they have to monitor that. But that's why people prefer boom mics to lavalier mics, because of the rustling, and, and there's certain clothing, if you're wearing plastic or things like that, or um, sequins, which I'm often wearing, and the people and and, the, and where they are, what they're what they're actually doing, you know, if they're sat down and they scrunch over, you know, if they move over, then they're sometimes it's just unavoidable. And again, if you've got rustling, there's no way back. You can't. I think people, you know, I think early days thought the same. So like, oh, we'll be able to filter this out or something. And I think it's a classic thing. People, especially like background noise, people think, oh, I'll filter that out. You can do a bit. But you really, really don't want to if you ha if you if you can help it. You know, it's incredibly difficult to get. Rid so of if noise. you're the greatest actor in the world, but your skin was made out of newspaper, you're not going to get any work. You wouldn't. Well, no, you, you just you, get boomed. You get boomed the whole time. Yeah. You, what you want a boom mic is if you're newspaper. So your boom right. mic. If say you, I'm shooting a, a scene where the two actors are in the distance and I'm at the base of the cliff and they're top of the cliff, how uh, how do I do that? Just do it in all in post. Well, that's an interesting one. So you'd either use, well, it depends what the shot is, because if you're not going to see, you know, it's going to be harder to see a lavalier mic, so you'd be able to hide it then. Well, one is jumping off a cliff. One. <laughs> well, I think if I was shooting it, there was... It's a snuff movie, the and way. the other guy's pushing the guy off the cliff, but I want to get the sound of the guy jumping off the... I want to get the sound of him jumping off the cliff and the impact of him. And if you don't, I mean, if it's a wide shot and you could not be able to get the boom close enough, then you'd do the take you'd run it through a few times till you had it regular and then you would then record the sound there and then sync that up in post afterwards with what they're doing. But the crucial thing is you would want to record the voices in that environment. That's another big thing which you don't realise, I think, until you start doing it, how, how different a room sounds. Every single room is different. Yeah. And a lot of the time I'm doing the introductions on this in different rooms mm -hmm. and the sound's totally different, the echo of the room. And you, I mean, there's nothing you can do. You can put some sort of small room filter or big room filter. No, no, this is check. the thing. You can't. You can. You can. You can't get. You can't take away reverb. And this is another thing I learnt sort of early days. Is you can. You can add reverb. And you can make things sound bigger. But you can't take away reverb. That's that's. You just can't do it. I mean, there's probably some filters which attempt it, but it's. it's I've never had any success with it. So. That's you know the guy who's cut his bollocks off. How's that related to reverb? He can't. He can't stop it. He can't put him back. Exactly. It's just an example of something which is irreversible, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, what I'm trying to do is add it for people who listen to this thinking, oh, well, this podcast might be interesting, but it's about sound. I feel sick. I'm trying to put some, I'm trying to visualise a guy in the gym with his no bollocks on the bus. And then getting, well, he'd be fine well, on the bus. Then he'd be on the front of the bus, yeah. But you, do you still get bonus if you've got no um, testicles? I think that's another podcast. <laughs>
Write in. Why not write in to marrickmakesamovie at gmail.com or Twitter, tweet at marricksmovie if you can still get a boner if you don't have testicles. On a bus. On a bus. After being in the gym. <laughs> not after going to the gym. I mean, you'd probably be too tired. That's the best time. You're probably safe getting on the bus then. That's your only defence. That's why he's going to the gym. He has to go to the gym for hours. He doesn't even want just so he can get on the bus and feel safe. Um, so, yes. So for a low-budget filmmaker, I mean, a lot of the time, I've, when I do stuff, they've got three or four guys. They've got a couple of sound guys, well, one sound guy in the boom, and then there's sort of a higher-up guy who's... They have two booms? Sometimes they do, yeah. Well, they got, would do, and then you so then the, you've got the sound recordist is the head. The sound recordist is the guy, and it's always the best job, because I think you're just sitting down with your headphones on somewhere quiet away where you can't get interference. Keeping levels, but at the same time, you know, you're, it's a, it's a high-pressure job. If, that's, you know, if you've got the wrong levels, and especially if it's a high-pressure high scene, you've got to get it right, and you're not going to get work again if, they, you know, if that sound doesn't come back well, perfect. I, I sent you, I was doing... Uh, it's not, I can't say it's saying name dropping. I did a really tiny part on a, f a film, which is going to be out, and I've done it. I worked with this sound recording a couple of things before, and the director of the film um, said he always gets this guy in because he's brilliant, but he does stop the filming quite a lot if there's a slight error. I mean, aeroplanes are the banes mm -hmm. of people's lives, um, and things like fridges, mm -hmm. aeroplanes, fridges, and what's buses. A, a bus, buses, and air conditioning. Mm -hmm are nightmares for people because they're, they're okay the, any sound is okay as long as, as it's consistent cons yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's, the, it's inter intermittent ones is a problem but when i was doing a thing called laura ben and him um which is a, a, a failed series about 10 years ago um we had a location by this church a brilliant location but there are people doing roadworks yeah. outside so the whole day of filming was potentially screwed and they had to go out and just go where's well, 200 quid do you want to just go and do another job and they did, they, the council workers did. Really? I mean, they're not saying they can be easily bribed, but they can be easily bribed. <laughs> but sound, people, people have to go, I've been on so many shoots where people, have, they send the runner out, who's the guy, to go and find the person who's making the sound. But even when we're filming stuff oh, yeah. uh, outside, the summer's a nightmare for gardening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Leaf blowers, uh, I mean, how long mowers. that was a sketch? That, that sketch took We had an Adam and Eve sketch, and uh, literally the last minute, some. Tw distance, twat in the distance, also known as distance twat. <laughs> that's a sound term. Again, uh, we probably, yeah, that's yeah, just a, 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 glossary, a yeah. distance twat. Um, started on his, uh, uh, was it some sort of mowing implement? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's it. And I think you're just, unless you've got a certain scale of production where you can actually shut things down. I mean, most production don't have £200 to, to tell council workers to go away. Yeah, that, I mean, that is the current, all the budget for pretty much most of the budget for America makes a movie. That's, yeah. Industry standards 200 for three council workers, isn't it? That, that gets rid of them. But otherwise, but then you time, and time is absolutely money on, on set. And, but the, the big temptation is to say, you know, you know again, it's a classic cliche, you know, we'll sort it out in post. But you're just, you're just going to spend a lot of time, and ultimately, however much time you spend, it will never be as good as getting a clean sound. Well, I've done a, ADR, is additional sound recording. Additional dialogue recording, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's additional sound, but also dialogue. It's actually just dialogue. <laughs> it's weird how they don't use a letter, isn't it, in that one? <laughs> and what happens is you go into, I've done it a few times, you go into this sort of studio, and there's two different, two different processes of doing it. So they replay your bit back, which is really weird, 
and you uh, what's surprising is your voice obviously changes when you're moving and your exertion and you always have to copy the movements of whatever weird thing you're doing and um uh, it's almost about to go out of battery there it's gone down to one i'll just stop it there it's break time time to have a break all the talking it's too much I just want to have a little bit of music in the middle to calm myself down. Now I'm ready to get back to the podcast. Well, what happened there, listeners, is that um, there weren't enough batteries to uh, <laughs> to feed both radio mics and the H4N. I used rechargeable batteries and it drained them down at the probably... Uh, in the space of about two minutes so if you are going to film with that you will need approximately 1,000 batteries or a separate power source it's these sort of problems these rubbish problems that um, ruin filmmaking anyway ADR I was talking about there's two sorts of ADR the beep one where you have to time your what you say to a beep and then to do it with the lines and it always sounds and looks really weird very strange when you sync sound that even the slightest millisecond off and you can't watch something like when your sound when you're when you're buffering something and the sound goes yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's terrible yeah and then yes yeah, so there's the timing and the performance as well and as you say a slight inflection difference and, it's, and it doesn't match up and you can tell i mean you can tell really quickly and, and remarkably on some especially on some big budget films they obviously put that as a lower priority because you can tell that they've ADR'd the sound and it, and it really detracts you massively because they've obviously prioritised the visuals and that's it's a big mistake, I think. You need to prioritise things, mate. OK. Um, so, for a Marek makes a movie... Well, I keep on saying Marek because it's another person. I, mean, I wish I was another person. That's a separate podcast. There's another separate podcast. <laughs> There'll be several op- offshoots of this podcast... How can I do sound? I mean, r- realistically, I've got about two hundred fifty pounds so far. I spent twenty five quid on that on badges and so I'm batteries. Not gonna, but I'm have to spend at least hundred quid on batteries. So I could use. I need a boom mic, radio mics, and a good sound recorder. Could I use a sound recorder, Paul? This one. Yeah, the one that we've just. I'm beginning to wonder in terms of the but unless you can get some power adapter, that's not usable at the moment. But you ha- it has to be everything has to be bulletproof. I mean, I, you can't have a flaky solution. You can't have someone nipping up to the shops to get another some more batteries. So I think unless you film in the sh- in the battery shop, <clears throat> it's going to change the plot, isn't it? What film the whole thing in the battery shop? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Can't say I've ever been in a battery shop. But you, so you have to do. You could use a low grade sound a sound recorder. And you could have one person doing it, but it'd be a lot of work. It's a lot of work and it becomes high risk. I mean, I think in terms of what, how much they're monitoring, how much you can expect them to monitor. I mean, normally on a professional shoot, where I did um, my film and often the film should end up, the boom uh, boom operator and sound recorder is the same person, but sound recorders generally don't want to do that. They would rather not because they would rather just be level. I mean, it shows how important it is. They'd rather just be monitoring the levels and then the other person can be making boom adjustments as required because obviously the boom record is also you know, there's a massive amount of skill in that as well about it's almost like a kind of 
they're working with the performers. They're, they're learning where the takes I are. I didn't even realise this, the boom thing. There's whole different sort of shapes of microphones. So your standard, you holding a microphone, it's got like a, a heart shape, sort of cardioid uh, sound where it picks up certain different sounds. The boom sounds are shotgun mics, which we don't know are just almost sort of like in Ghostbusters with a stream of power and they pick up they pick up they don't get the sound from behind and they just sort of get sound they're very directional basically that's, I mean that's, that's the best the way of saying it isn't it like a Ghostbusters thing like the Ghostbusters stream yes yeah, so they're very directional and then they have a it's like a thin cone coming out and then and that's the ideal thing so when you're outside they're not picking up all extraneous sounds they're just picking up the, the actor's voice um, so yes so they can be extremely targeted about what but but if you're off mic, that's the that's the you know that's the good and the bad of them. It's extremely directional, so they'll cut out all of the sound. But if they're not on, and when you hear a boom mic off off mic, it just goes. The sound will completely go if they're not or not on mic, and that's where the boom reco- boom boom operator has to be completely on it. I keep doing the action so no one can well, see it. I, but. T- I tell you what, though, um, I've had to buy a new uh, shotgun mic because. My one broke, and Paul convinced me to buy the, the classic Sennheiser four one six. I spent my money on. We can do the boom experiment now. No. Yeah. Watch out, listeners. Here comes some boom mic operation. So now we've moved over to the Sennheiser four one six, and during this whole escapade, I have learned that the most important thing of when doing sound is to press the record button. We didn't talk about that. I mean, it's weird we didn't talk about that, but actually, it's you know, it's it's an often overlooked thing. You definitely need to do it, otherwise you have to do two takes of exactly the same thing like we're doing now. So this is the directional uh, shotgun mic I'm doing now. I've got about... I'm, my arm is already aching because it's the second time I've done it. Uh, stretching about a foot for myself, but you can see when Paul speaks so off camera. This talking off camera and it should be have a lot less uh, clarity and generally just feel extremely distant and not very good at all. And I have to move it to get your, because my voice is a lot louder. So I carry on talking, then suddenly I'll come on mic, but then once I go off mic, even if you just turn it slightly off mic, it will suddenly disappear and you'll hear the sound going very, very off mic and then suddenly it will come back on mic there and you can see the difference is massive. So that's that's what's so good about the mic and that's what makes it so hard to use as well. You have to be concentrating all the time that makes so if Marek suddenly said his dialogue off off mic exactly like that and you're not, you're not ready then uh, you would have missed that line and uh, it's, it's difficult and you've got to, the distance is different from all the different voices as well because I've got to get a lot closer to you for your voice because it's, it's less uh, boomy and less annoying um, do that thing where you touch the tip of it oh. <laughs> <laughs> we said we weren't going to do that again <laughs> so this is what <laughs> So this is what I was saying before about um, if you're any contact with the mic, which really transmits straight through the mic. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, you got that. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> so you just, and that's why it's got this cradle here to shock absorb to isolate the mic from your the, the handle on the the shotgun. So any of that, you can hear all of that. That's extremely distracting. So um, and these go into mics actually when they go outside, they go into a weird cage, which is ridiculously expensive. They cost about five hundred quid, and they put a dead cat on them. The cat's the industry term. The industry likes a slang term for things. So it's a big fur uh, muff thing which goes around the... Basically, yeah, yeah uh, to stop the, stop the wind coming through. Um, uh, why do they use... I mean, I feel sorry for boom operators. Why do they use... Why is this mic, the um, Sennheiser 416 Classic? Why is it a classic, Paul? It's a classic because it was industry introduced early on in the... 
it was a big leap forward back in the day. I don't know when it was, 30 or 40 years ago, but it's extremely durable. That's a massive thing filmmakers want. It's got really nice sound quality. And so the, the, so the uh, sound recordists got used to it, but also, crucially, the uh, post-production people also got used to its very specific sound characteristics. So they know how to mix it when it comes to post-production. Uh, they know how to EQ it. So everyone on the production line, if you've used a 416, they know it, it's familiar, and the industry is a big fan of standards because it just keeps things the same from one production to the next. It makes things efficient, makes things quick. Um, so that's why you'll see see that everyone, once something settles down, everyone starts using it because then they know it's very predictable. So you have 416s for post-production sounds. At an industry level, it's always Pro Tools. Um, they'll always use the same things. There's other areas where there's, like scheduling, it's always, people always use movie magic. That's, there are these things. And the Sennheiser 416 is a rare, actually a rare piece of kit because kits moved on so much in so many other domains. Well, in cameras, they change every five seconds. They get better and better. But I couldn't believe people saying, I've had a, this mic for 30 years and I still use it as a go-to mic. Exactly. And actually the standard, the XLR cables, which you use, that stayed the same. The only other thing which has changed is this, the actual sound recording gear. So when I was at um, film school doing it, one of the earliest projects, I was a sound recordist. So I was using a DAT, um, a DAT recorder, which was a tape-based uh, digital digital audio tape recorder. In fact, all the early productions I did had those, and we were doing separate sync sound shooting on film. And so that's so when I was going through film school, so about 2007, 2008, it was just at the transition period where solid state memory cards were becoming a feasible option and before they became a real option for cameras um they became an option for sound earlier on because obviously sound um uh, recording um is a lot less in terms of data usage but that's when and zoom were one of the first ones to the market so i had a zoom h2 and i remember buying that and it was a massive step forward in terms of because that you'd have to record onto tape and then to get it into your computer, you'd have to play it back in real time. And then you'd have to, so, you know, you do an hour of sound recording, you have to play it back and capture it. And that's a massive pain. And people are just holding this for the last five minutes. It's really killing my arm. And boom, on plates have to do it for hours. And the thing you hear on the set is like the booming. Um, and also, when you see the top of the boom in there, in the shot, and boom shadow, because I have to light the scene. And the shadow appears, and then that's ruined, and you can see a weird thing on the back of the wall and you can see you can see booms in tons of hollywood stuff as well there's loads of mistakes there are and i think you can see why people just sort of move on and just sort of assume it's okay but actually um it's really really important i mean i think when i did the, the feature film that was one thing I, we didn't do any adr because actually you spend a lot of time afterwards as well you've got to get the actors back i mean that's hugely expensive they're already there you've already got the exactly the right sound acoustics for the room you know trying to recreate that afterwards is just a massive pain so I mean, I've tried to do what I remembered in one short film back in the day that I had to, I wanted to ADR one line and the amount of time I took to try and get the acoustics because he was at a distance in this like warehouse, having put reverb, filters, trying to match up the performance. I mean, it was a, a kind of baptism of fire sort of thing. Okay, I'm not going to do that again. You know, I'm going to spend that extra two minutes to get it right on set because you pay the price afterwards. Yeah, and also the boom shows and stuff are difficult to paint out. Like imagine if you had... Um sort of a boner in a in a in a PG film. Exactly. That's the the film standard it's gonna be. Uh, I think I might just make a silent film after this. It's tempting, isn't it? 
Right, and let's go back to the Zoom H4N mics. Thanks, Sennheiser. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Thanks, Sennheiser. Back to the H4N. So this should sound a lot worse for the listeners. A lot more echoey, a lot more room noise. Yeah. A lot more atmospheric. Anyway, that's a bit about, I mean, uh, that's a bit about sound. I, I don't know if that was interesting or not. I mean, I, did you feel bored during that? I quite like sound stuff, so I can geek out on this for a while, but... That's a begin. That's just a beginner's guide to sound. I mean, there's, there's probably a place you can go to where you get a lot more detailed, interesting, and educational stuff. But I doubt you get as many of uh, the allegories, which for me, really they made, made it. Yeah, that was a distant. So you, we talked about distribution with Bruce the other week. You have successfully got your feature film on Amazon Prime. Yes. Through an aggregator. Yes. What happened? Well, so we were originally... So we made the film in 2008, 2009. So the big thing at that stage was uh, DVD, obviously. DVDs, was, there was still some, some feasibility in terms of selling DVDs. Uh, online platforms hadn't really happened at that stage. Uh, they were just streaming rates were not quick enough to basically stream films. And Netflix and things hadn't happened. But then down the fast forward to 2016, 17, we basically realised that... Uh, there's not much point and it was a lot of effort to keep DVDs in Amazon to sell them you've got to keep stock there's a lot of kind of hassle and you've got to keep a company to do that so we were looking towards getting it online as Bruce mentioned you need an aggregator to as which acts as kind of uh, an intermediary between it's you a middle and man. The, a it's middle, a middleman it's a middleman a middle businessman it's a middle businessman but also an important businessman because you there's a lot of people producing a lot of content and if they just so go like the fat controller in Thomas Tank Engine exactly like the fat controller the fat aggregator, aggravator. Um, so, but if you know, if Joe Bloggs goes to Apple and says, "I've got my film," that's that Apple don't have the time, and which is fair enough to say, you know, what bit rate, what sound quality do you have? Captions? Do you have industry level captions? Do you have chapter breaks? Do you have? There's a lot of stuff which you need to do. So, you know, which they're not, not going to have time for. They're not going to make money off a lot of these low budget films. So, you know, the fact that aggregators exist entirely makes sense but the model always used to be as far as I could see from the research I'd done is these aggregators would basically charge a lot so like a thousand pounds or something for you to they would do the sort of quality control and um, you'd they would do the, some of the processing so they would act as an interface with someone like um, iTunes or Google Play or, or Amazon 
Um, and then, uh, but then not just that amount of money, which was the, pro the problem, it was the fact that often they'd have sort of maintenance fees to keep them on these platforms, which I found, it's like, we're not, we're, not, we're barely making any money. I mean, we, for us, it's just about having it on there so people can watch it if they want to watch it. So you went to this new aggregator. So anyway, yeah, so, so very recently I then went to this, I was looking around to see whether the, the climate had changed and then I found this new aggregator called Film Hub and they're actually in beta, so it's like, it's early days for this. But it's a different model, basically. It's a just a profit share split without upfront fees and maintenance fees. So, I mean, because at early days as well, we were one of the first ones on Vimeo On Demand. That was another model. So what do you do then? So you contact um, a Film Hub, whatever. You send them your film. It's got to be a certain level, is it, of have all these industry standard things or not? Yes. Yeah, so there's they, they, do, they basically do a quality control on the whole thing and... Uh, and then that, then once it gets passed through there, then it gets passed on to uh, these different platforms. And the advantage is that they um, they can do many different platforms. So you're not going through this process a lot. And as I say, it's in beta, but it's it's early days for it. But um, and I was kind of skeptical because I was going through this whole process and thinking I can't see this getting on Amazon Prime or you know I I, I didn't seem there wasn't I hadn't read anything about this at all. But I went through the process and actually. This is where being an indie helps because I think you end up having to get quite into these things. I'd learned about subtitling through the, doing the DVD. So, we so you've got to do subtitling, chapter breaks. So chapter breaks there was on there. Um, and then I'm trying to think about the different things on there. So you'd have to specify... Um, uh, yes, so I'm trying to think about all the different things. But they, so for example, the, the t credit sequence couldn't have any reference to uh, web... Um, web addresses on there which ours did so I had to go back to the film and then I had to mask out a, a web address you know there's work to do and then I had to hit a certain uh, data rate um, and then I had to upload it so the actual file was over 100 gig I think which I had to send them it took four days to upload to their servers and then it had to be processed um, so that you know there's, there's certain things there which won't necessarily be and I also I mean, ours has also been um, because we showed it in exhibition and had the DVD, we've also been through the BBFC, so it's been rated. Although, inter interestingly, they didn't ask for that, which I found quite interesting. Oh, really? We, which I didn't, they didn't specify that, which I found quite interesting because that's really strict for TV mm. and exhibition. They're very, very strict on that. But it seems like it's a slightly unspecified in the online world at the moment. But we had that. I mean, interestingly as well, there's other standards where... Um, Again, they hadn't asked. There was other stuff that they didn't necessarily ask for, which is like the, the colour grade. You can have cinema colour grades. Stop me if I'm getting too geeky, but there's there's diff cinema colour grades, and then you'd have a um, more of a TV colour grade, which is more compressed. And there's what all... kind of buddy press record and leave it? Paul? Yeah, I you want that. And then there's other things as well for TV standards, which we'd been through because we went through a proper post house where there's I think it's called the Harding test, which is a test. They run the what test? Harding test. I, mean, I thought you'd like that. Um, which basically runs through the whole film to check for epilepsy, to see whether there's any flash frames which could induce epilepsy, so wow. you can pass this test. And we've got a certificate for that. But again, they didn't ask for that, but in terms of TV standards, they would do. So there were certain things which were quite strict. There were other things which were kind of less less so, which I hadn't anticipated. But but then, yeah, they, they waited about three or four weeks, and then it popped up on Amazon Prime, and it was a bit of a result. And, and potentially on Vimeo On Demand, it will be on... It's another couple of other platforms. So you, you can see it's called Big Font Large Space. Big Font Large Space, and it's on if Prime. Got, uh, or you can, you can buy it on Amazon now as well, can't yeah, you? Yeah, so that's a good thing. So I think, I mean, for us it's a good thing because Amazon Prime, uh, it, our Prime members can watch it without spending any and money. Can, can you say how much you get from Amazon Prime? 
well, I think it was from Film Hub. It was something, I think they said six, p, was it like six P an hour, I think? Six cents an hour, I think. And then I think we get 80% of that and they get 20%. It's not a lot. I mean, we're not doing it for the money, but it's not a lot. You need a lot of streams. But there again, the difference in terms of DVD, I'm not having to send them boxes of DVDs, keep inventory numbers. So you numbers. just have to leave that. Everyone has to put big font large spaces on a loop. Just loop it. On their, um, on their computers and televisions. Just continually and they'll make like 60p. Make 60p a day. Everyone doing it in the world. But it's interesting, it's, it's early days on this, so I don't know how it's going to pan out. So I, I imagine there's a lot of indies who are putting their films on these platforms and I think and how long does the contract last for well this is what's interesting I don't know so I wonder you know will in five years time Amazon say wait a second we've held this on our servers for five years it's been watched five times you know you're not gonna have to have it on there I don't you know that's not out of the question by any means and they, they do that with the DVDs if things aren't getting sold uh, and you're using up storage space then if you're not having the turnover then um, you know they'll, they'll take they're, they're, they're aware of, of what's being used so we're in a new era for this at the moment they might not care at all they've got massive s- s- servers amazon it might not be an issue or it might be i don't know but vimeo for example vimeo on demand where we had our film early days that was our first um foray into sort of um, video on demand vod which is this is called um but then they had maintenance fees and that's why we came off there you had to have a pro membership and it was 100 pounds a year and it's like for an indie film that's actually quite a lot of streaming it costs more money to make a film doesn't it and actually uh, when you get out of it but the thing yeah but I think the big thing is as Bruce mentioned in, in when he was on here I think in my mind it's very clear about when you're making films now it's, it's all going to be about the upfront promotion about you're going to ha- you just need as much in there which attracts people to watch the product project so you, you know just get getting it out there um, especially like reviews Talent is going to be massive, you know. Who's in there, which is recognisable, which is going to... saucy stuff. And saucy stuff. These things are going to be huge in terms of, because um, it's it's kind of. Do you think I should do Matt makes me with my top off then? It it can't hurt. It can't hurt. It might hurt. But I think I um, I was remember having a discussion with someone from the film industry about this, and it feels very much like a roller coaster. You want to get it <clears throat> as high as possible as much promotion as much sort of preloaded with as much things because once it kind of gets released that's the momentum which will keep it through the distribution chain and you can't really do much there's a lot of lot of factors in there which kind of especially things like um who's in it you can't there's not a lot you can do for all promotion in the world and when we were going to try and get kevin spacey now i mean it'll make it infamous get kevin spacey in it yeah but it's, pro- it's problematic because I think when we had our film, it was it was a, it was a it's a horrible wake up call. I remember when we were touring around universities with an o- outdoor open screen. It's just really, it's like a big fun event, and these students would come up to you and said, "Who's in it?" It's like, well, you've not heard of it. I mean, and they didn't turn up. It's like it's pain. You know, it's a painful reality about how things. Yeah, I, I just like to go and see films that sound good, but other people don't. Um, well. We've probably done enough about sound, haven't we? Sound, distribution, I think we've covered those. Sound and distribution. An insight into the world of film. Um, uh, you can find out more about Paul at Paul Howard Allen. Yep. And you can look at Big Font Live Spacing on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. You've got your own YouTube channel now. What's that called? Paul, Paul Howard Allen, which sounds a bit pretentious, but yeah. But you have to, because your name's Paul Allen, you have Paul to Allen, use yeah. the Howard to yeah. distinguish yourself. You're forced into using a middle name against your will. Yeah. 
by just to pop by the by the world, by, yep. the, by the cruelty the of the world. The world's maybe pretentious. Luckily, I don't have to use my middle, my middle name. Yeah, I just have to. I get people think I'm Polish on a daily basis. No. Um, well, that's it then. I, I hope you enjoyed listening. Um, please, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put some um, photos and maybe a video link of some testing things on my website, Marit Larwood, and go to forward slash Marit Makes Movie, click on the link, and I've got a sort of a sort of half-cooked blog where I'm talking about what I'm doing and how it's all going on there. So you can follow that and look at the photos on Instagram, which will be sporadic and really poorly kept. Please um, continue to, to donate to this project because I'm definitely never going to have enough money. But thank you for listening and stay, was it stay hygienic, was it? Uh, I think it was last time, yeah, yeah, yeah. And stay, stay hygienic. hygienic.